Okay, welcome to another episode of Getting Gritty with Andrea. I have my friend Sierra. We're going to talk about education and therapy and our experiences um, working in education with kids and our experiences with therapy and our different kind of, you know, just our views on it. And hopefully we can offer, um, I will try to post some resources for those for teens, for queer folk and for other um, folk that um, cannot access because therapy is actually really hard to come by for lower class um, families and um, minority communities. Unfortunately, um, a lot of us can't access it. Um, so I just want we just hoping to put some things out there, some tools that might might be of some use um, if you cannot go to quote unquote regular therapy or pay for it. Um, so Sierra, if you don't mind talking about your work in education, what's it like working with the kids and what have you faced in, you know, working in education as a, you know, part of minority community? Right. So my background is in social work. So I have a background um, in mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now I typically work with children who are diagnosed with autism or um, emotional disturbance, some type of mental disorder or um, learning disability, developmental disability. Mm-hmm. So I've worked with children ages two to 18. Um, so I've seen them in the elementary, middle school and um, high school settings. And um, I've worked in Hawaii, uh, New Mexico, Texas, and now California. So I've seen a, a diverse um diversity and culture when it comes to my therapy um which is applied behavioral analysis it's a um it's an intervention that basically helps children work on social communication skills um helps them um in cognitive areas so these are children who already are labeled and have a stigma in the school environment so Mm -hmm. no matter the race or ethnicity, um, sexuality, anything, the first thing is they have a disability. So these children are already on the spectrum, um, can be bullied in different areas just based on their diagnosis. Um, as I got you know, more into the field, uh, worked in different areas, different cultures, I learned that um, you know, the intersection, intersectionality in this field is important. Um, to practice because not only do we have children who have emotional disturbance or autistic, um, you know, characteristics, we have black and brown children who have autism. Um, We also have black and brown children who have autism who are black or brown who might be queer. Um, So there's so many different things that these children at such a young age have to worry about um, besides the educational part. Um, so, you know, in my practice, I utilize the strengths-based perspective. I always focus on the strengths of the child um, and, you know, gather those up and then take my intervention or whatever program I'm trying to create off of those strengths. Um, and then also, you know, it's also the the socioeconomic part of it is, you know, when I work with children in Inglewood or in Watts compared to working in children in Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. um, there's a huge gap in resources. Um, there's a huge gap in trauma. You know, we have children in Beverly Hills who um, mostly have behaviors that stem from attention seeking. So their parents are working, they have uh, no time yeah. with parents, no personal time. Um, they're with babysitters or nannies or whoever it is, um, where you have those kids in Watts or in Inglewood, um, whose attention is, whose behavior stem from attention, but it's because mom and dad are working three jobs or um, drug abuse or domestic violence or some type of negative attention that they're getting. So, you know, I like to say as like, those kids in Watts or in Inglewood, need me more than the kids in Beverly Hills, but I've learned to understand that trauma is viewed in different ways, no matter the socioeconomic part, the the ethnicity, race, um, kids are still like little sponges. And whether we're working with black and brown children or we're working with children in Beverly Hills with money or white children, um, we still have to practice and teach 
the same things to all children so that we can all be on the same page um, and teach the teach the difference in cultural diversity um, when it comes to the stigma and when it comes to these um, diagnoses that we place on these children so young. Yeah. So that's kind of what I focus on. I work with behaviors. I work with children who are deemed the bad apple, um, you know, no hope. They're going to just go be gangsters or, you know, be in prison. Um, but to me, I think it just takes a little bit more time to work on someone's behaviors more than um, the mental health part. If we can't get a behavior down, then we can't get to the mental part of it. So um, it's been pretty interesting thus far, especially with this intervention being so young. Um, it's only been around for about 50 years um, and barely started booming probably the last 10. Yeah. So this is something that is utilized and is needed in the school system to work on behavioral, to work on that emotional aspect of, you know, of what we're trying to figure out as children. It's breaking it down um, and listening to them. And we don't tend to do that in our school systems. You know, it's pretty authoritative. Mm -hmm. um, and just like the prison reform, it's kind of, that's what we're teaching our ch children to do is follow in a direction um, where we listen and we listen to the cookie cutter, you know, outline that we all have to fit these children in and it doesn't yeah. work like that. There's, you know, different sizes, different molds that we need to use. So yeah, that's pretty much kind of where I am with the therapy part in the educational when it comes to, you know, developmental disabilities. Um, and even our kiddos that just struggle because they're angry, you know. Yeah. I think that's really important work because um, I work in the school as well. Um, I work with SPED kids. Um, it depends. I was working with EDC and then I'm and that was like the some of them were autistic, but it was like on the quote unquote higher functioning. Um, mm -hmm. There's they had ADHD. They had like anger issues. They had like emotional um, quote unquote disorders and um, but they they were operating like intellectually still because some of them weren't like it was they were actually placed in there and my teacher was complaining and not towards them but towards the school that he was like some a lot of these kids don't need to be in here he was like they don't need no. to be operating because he's like the stuff I'm teaching is like middle school kind of stuff and they're ninth to like 11th graders he was like some of them can be out of here they were just here because they missed a lot of school or something or they were truant right. for a certain amount of times so he's like these kids a lot of them don't need to be in here he's like they're really smart they're just putting them in here just because, basically. And I was just like, what right. the hell? Like, they don't. Well, that's kind of like, well, at the program that the school that I'm at right now is actually really, it's really intense because Beverly Hills has so much money yeah. that they actually created a um, pilot program this mm -hmm. year. So it was, it was designed for children who are diagnosed with emotional disturbance. So now, if you don't know what emotional disturbance is, it is a mental disorder in the DSM-5. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you really look into the background of the, of the diagnoses, it is a man-made diagnosis, in my opinion. Um, emotional disturbance comes from trauma. Um, it is a created mental disorder. Um, so most of these children are brilliant. They're smart. Intellectually, they can do the work. It's the behaviors that are getting in the way of the progress. Yeah. They can't control their emotions. They so they can't focus. They don't want to be there. There's no motivation. Um, so that's where in this field, we work on like motivating operations, reinforcement, positive reinforcement, consequences. You know, those are the things, the structure that need to be in a child's life. Um, you know, it, it makes things feel safe. Um, and I actually work with the teacher because I am just the behavioral therapist for the classroom. So the teacher is in charge of the classroom. Yeah. And he is actually a, um, a he does mindful meditation. So it is a pretty cool type of structure where um, not only are we working on behaviors in the moment, but we have the teacher who has a background in yoga, mindfulness, um, mm -hmm. meditation, um, deep breathing and so we've implemented that inside the classroom as well um, and it's just been phenomenal not only for the staff but for the children um, not you know don't get me wrong it took many weeks to get them on board and to even get some of our 
um, you know, quote unquote tough guys to do yeah. it, you know, the cool kids. Um, but you know, it, they've been able to emotionally understand why they're angry or what's their problem or what they need help in or, you know, um, and it's taken almost a whole year to even get administration on board, you know, to get them on board with this intervention, to get them on board with these strategies, because most most people in admin, they just want to suspend these kids and send them home. And if you really, really listen to a child, or if you really break down the thought process of the child, that is awesome. They get to go home, they get to play video games, they get to watch TV, it's an escape. They, you know, they're going to do everything they can every day to get in trouble because they know their consequence will be suspension. Whereas we keep the child in school, work on what's the issue right then and there. And that is the consequence enough for them not to return and do that behavior. Um, so yeah. I think it's just taking the time. Um, and, you know, unfortunately with so many kids in the state of California and and the lack of funding for teachers and resources like how do we expect to work on these things um especially in areas such as east la or you know inglewood or some of those lower socioeconomic areas Mm -hmm. everyone had the luxury of beverly hills um having millions of dollars to input into a classroom specially designed for children like this um it's just unheard of and these kids are very lucky um, where I'm at. And um, we could use this all over the country. We really could. Um, we would have lower depression rates, in my opinion, in these children, lower you know, suicide rates in these children. We would have more functional communication um, where we can talk about our feelings and not suppress them um, and be open with our emotional side compared to um, us worrying about what everyone else is going to think. And that's the difference we need to do is like be a little bit more softer with our kids Um, because kids are, they just grow up to be adults and adults are just grown up children in my opinion. So um, I think that's, you know, important um, in that aspect. Yeah, I'm really glad that your school is able to implement that. Definitely, we could use that because where I'm at and like you said, like East LA and like those other, there's plenty of schools, like you said, especially in California, that just don't have the resources and because they won't give the funding. So it's not just the school's fault. It's also the higher ups with that. So it's just so many factors and the kids and the teachers and, you know, therapists and us, the rest of us that are working with the kids are all you know shit out of luck because we're having to do so many different jobs i'm like i'm a sub assistant and i only get paid like 15 if i'm working with just the quote-unquote regular kids like the gen ed or if i'm working with the special education i get like about if i'm being a pair because i'm either instructionator or paraprofessional if i'm a paraprofessional i get about like 17 18 maybe but i've noticed like how like in a few classrooms there's been times where i'm doing like a lot of the work me and other paraprofessionals and i'm like we're not getting paid we don't have as much um what do i say a training for this it's like we're right. acting like the teachers we're acting like the therapists we're acting like all these different things for these kids and it's like we care so much at least some of the people that i've worked with they do care some of the teachers i've noticed they are passionate about it but it is hard because um with the special education they're not getting as many kids as the general ed but i still feel mm-hmm. like it's kind of a lot when they're not giving enough funding and they're not giving enough like other tools and resources that the teachers and the assistants can use to help the kids better because they're just throwing us in there and they're just like i don't know giving well, us he- some activities to do with them but i'm right. like this is the basic like what are we really helping them with besides babysitting them and i know these kids could do more or they could probably use slightly different things they don't want to just keep doing the same little basic like every day i swear this class i was in for like um almost a month i was like subbing 
we were just doing like she just would give the the paraprofessional she would just tell us just here's the same activities every day and there's like four different ones and then she would like yell at the kids like when she was frustrated and things like that and she was just like really like it was just weird i i did not enjoy that experience but it did teach me like okay there's times where we're gonna have to just mix things up we're just gonna have to like take it into our own hands yeah Mm -hmm. exactly but it's kind of it just really sucks though because it's not even just the pay thing it's the fact of like i don't have all this training for this yes i go to school and i'm in my master's but it's not for this so a lot of us and you don't need all you don't need a specific degree to though to do it and that's not to discourage anyone because i love it and i'm i'm planning to be in education and like get a degree in it but in the future but it's it's still the lack of like teaching us to help teach them and it's just like children what are children motivated by you know like yeah i remember when i was in school you know and i have a master's degree Mm -hmm. um i have seven almost eight years experience in this field and i've been getting the same amount of money since i was 19 years old i have not gotten pay increase they told me i have to go back and get more school which i'm in school again um you know just to make more money and it's like how can you pay me $22 an hour Mm -hmm. to do five different jobs, like you say, and not provide me with any reinforcement or any type of motivating operation, which is like, give me a pay increase, give me a day off. You know, we work that way as human beings. Like we don't do something unless we kind of get something out of it. And it's not selfish. It's, it's, it's boundaries. It's what we deserve. Yeah. Um, And as soon as we, get what we want we work harder um you know just like working out in the gym you work out you see you see um changes in your body you get that six pack you get that summer bod you keep going to the gym because the gym is providing you with reinforcement it's providing you with results Mm -hmm. and so that's how we work in life you know for same with the paycheck we go to work every day so we can get that fat paycheck in, in two weeks that's the motivating operation money So, you know, it's the same thing with children. If we provide nothing for them to work towards or work for, why are they going to work for free? And, you know, school is working. It's a job. It's something that they have to do until they're 18 years old. And we don't even ask if they want to. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, that's where I feel like education is going to be um, less of a priority in the future years. It's going to be an option. I don't think that... um, at yeah. this point, the education system is up to par. It's never been um, it's never been changed. It's always been the same. Um, after all these years, we've had public, you know, public, public educational systems. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's the funding. Um, you know, the intervention that we provide um, can go up to one hundred and twenty dollars an hour per child. And some of these kids need 40 hours a week. Do the math, you know, 40 times 120. That's almost, you know, I think I did a research where, you know, ABA services uh, for children with autism and these other disabilities can run parents anywhere from 50 to $70,000 a year if they don't have insurance. Um, And when I first started this intervention and this in this field, the only um, children I served were military children. And it's because the military was able to provide the insurance for these kids. Other than that, you had private insurance, people paying out of pocket for this, rich families, white families Mm -hmm. um, who can afford this. You know, and it wasn't until about less than five or six years ago where the states in here in the U.S. started passing, you know, laws that told Medi-Cal and told, you know, state government medical insurance is that they had to provide autistic services for children who were diagnosed with autism because you know what about the black or the brown kid who is on state insurance and has autism what do we just let them grow up or let them grow up in with no services exactly Um, so they did pass that where you know it is now they legally have to provide services but the difference is the child needs 20 hours a week, the insurance is only going to prove about five of that, you know? And so what is five hours compared to 20? There's going to be no progress. 
it's going to be a waste of not only the child but the person providing services time because if the yeah. child is diagnosed and needs 20 hours five is not going to do anything you know so yeah. it's it's they think that they're helping but they're really not they're just hindering and wasting services um you know and unfortunately like it's expensive it's expensive it's like going and seeing a mental health therapist there's um it's a over a hundred dollars an hour to be able to get this and it's like you know how many times have you gone to therapy or have i've gone to therapy and we paid all these co-pays and they have done absolutely nothing for us and mm. it's like all that money i wasted for what you know it's the same exactly. thing for these children the difference is, is we have a voice and they don't so you know that's where i come in and work on that and and break down exactly what i'm working with let's not do trial and error here because we don't want to waste years but you know let's get to the root of the problem let's just not cover band-aids and put you know um our, gla- our sunglasses on and ignore it because a lot of people do that unfortunately we just ignore it and then they get to an age and then we like to judge and be like well i knew that was going to happen but what what was prevented to you know nothing was help helping them to prevent that um yeah. and generational um trauma is you know obviously real so if we don't provide these kids with different um roads to take they're going to take the same road that they're comfortable in um which is the one that was shown to them exactly i think i see that with the kids that weren't even it was my first experience was the ones with the emotional disorders and adhd like mainly and you know just talking to them and talking to the teacher and seeing how we try like i said we were trying to play different roles at once and then i realized these kids i was like what is there for them like they have it's it's like they're just not getting enough it I mean, what are they supposed to do all day? It was like the, it's just a cycle. And it's like some of these kids, like they really have like, they have, they're in foster homes, they're in group homes, their parents are, you know, some of them, not all of them, but some of the parents or parent or guardian, whoever it was, was like kind of abusive, emotionally, verbally. And I know that's not just a flat black and white kind of thing. Like, um, you know, like that's, there's gray area because these, that low income and black and latino and minority communities it's not just the parents that they want to be like that that's not for every parent and i and i'm not i won't generalize them like that but it is also because they're forced to work like you said three jobs so they're frustrated so they're gonna take it out on their kids they're gonna or if they're in the foster home because they have so little resources there they're taking care of like how many kids at once and it's just like doing their and they have to do with all these other things yeah yeah and these kids that have behavioral issues that they are not even equipped to deal with or if they're not even getting help from the school or from the state government whatever to help them get into good therapy or something you know whatever they need you know like the services that you're trying to help these kids then what are they to do of course they're going to also be like so frustrated they're going to be pissed off they're going to be confused they're not going to be able to help them then they look like bad guardians or parents and the kids look like bad kids and then it's a lot of the black and brown kids like you said and they tend to look like the problem kids but it's like no you're not giving them the resources that they need they're not getting the same opportunities as their white counterparts so what do you expect them to act like of course they're going to act out all the time of course they're going to want to get suspended of course they're going to not care about school at all they're like fuck it i don't want to go to school i'll just do whatever just drop out anyway and it's not because they don't care at all trust me i think they care because there was half of them that were like i don't want to ask questions like the most basic thing because they don't want to seem stupid and it would take it would took me a while with them each kid to like let them know like it's okay to trust authority figures it's okay to trust me it's okay to come to me and our teacher we care about you but a lot of these kids they're not getting that they're not getting that positive reinforcement or building that bond or relationships i feel like admin and a lot of um and some teachers and i get why half of them are frustrated as well same thing they're not getting enough money to pay bills to pay to you know pay for living in the high you well, know high price society we're, we're in. therapeutic services for our teachers you know yes. that's like we don't provide yes. that even as well for our teachers they to definitely call need that. someone and be like hey come take over my classroom for 15 minutes i need a break 
you know, like, and I've yes. seen that happen where I'm like, luckily I'm in the classroom and I provide my teacher with a break. Like, Hey, go take a break, go do some meditation outside. I can handle this. You know, luckily I have a classroom with enough resources, yeah. but it's like, what about that teacher who just got a chair thrown at her and broke her glasses? Like she, we're expected for her to de-escalate or for them to de-escalate and come back down to earth while running a classroom of 30 you know like there's no way there's just no way people like me who are trained and professionals um you know there's days that i even struggle with that and i have to remind myself and you know self-talk um i can't expect someone who is supposed to go to school to teach to work on that and to be able to have enough patience um for that and you know it's unfortunate that we can't provide services and we think that the oppression of these children disappear when they cross those school lines and it's like no just because that child entered school doesn't mean that spanking this morning didn't hurt or doesn't mean that that breakfast that they missed doesn't still you know need to be fulfilled you know we have children who show up to school with no food we have children who just got a ass whooping from their parents in the morning you got children who just walked three miles, you know, and now has to go to school for eight hours. And get yelled um, at or something. Kids, yeah, you've got kids who are, you know, who are homeless. You know, we have so many things. And not only with their black and brown children, with any child, with any of the children I work with, you know. Mm-hmm. And I post things on my Instagram, um, you know, of my kiddos. And it's all, you know, to... To listen out loud on what they complain about you know as an adult we're like ah i wish i could complain about reading a book or i wish i can complain about doing my homework but it's like these are real life things that these kids are struggling with like and they're talking about it and we need to listen we don't need to minimize their you know their struggles we need to talk about them and you know, even if it is like my dad makes me do homework for 30 minutes, that 30 minutes for a child with autism or a child with developmental disability yeah. can be three hours. You oh, know, yeah. to them, that's days. Um, and so we have to be mindful of, you know, a perspective that we look at because we have a whole different vision of the world when it comes um, compared to these children, you know, and even with these new generations, they look at the world differently than we do. Um, and the only way we're going to understand the way they see the world is if we work with them and if we talk with them and if we communicate and collaborate with these children, like, like as if they were adults. Um, and you know, I think that's what a lot of adults did to us is they like kept us in the secret zone. Like, like we shouldn't know this stuff. And it's like, we had to learn it as we got older and we were like in shock. We were like, what? Like, and that's, we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't hold our kids in the yeah. dark. We, you know, there's a difference between um, providing information that is useful and providing information that they should wait and learn on their own. But there's no reason to to lie about the world we live in. <laughs> you know, there's really none. Exactly. Um, and, I, and I found that to be um, positive for me because these children have built a rapport with me knowing that I'm honest and that I'm, and that I'm, trustworthy and that I can be real and authentic and that's what these kids want they're just kids can read on like you know our energy so easily they can tell when we're lying they can tell when we're triggered and they take advantage of that kids are smart you know they want someone that they knows got their back and they're like that's really what they're looking for they're looking for that acceptance like that you know, like that I can be just like you when I grow up. Um, but if we're always putting these kids down, you know, we're just adult bullies, you know, we're just bullies. Uh, and I don't want to be like that. Um, because I've learned more from these kids probably than they've learned from me on how to approach people, how to work with different people. Um, and even how I have how I have been towards people, you know, um, or even as a kid, you know, working on that inner child. Um, you can work on a lot of your own triggers working with kids. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, that's that's growth in itself. And you get paid. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, I think so it's, it's a lot lot therapy. 
Yeah, I think it's been a lot more, it's been, it's more of a blessing. I think it's actually way more, I mean, definitely like it is difficult, trust and believe. They'll test your patience, but I feel like, and it can be very hard. There's days where you're just like, fuck it, like is anything I'm doing helping or is anything going to get better? But I think, yeah, they do provide that, like they're providing a lot more to us and for us than we sometimes are for them and that's like the beautiful part of it so that's why I am so grateful for educators like you and you know people in the field that really do care about them because they need it and I think like you said you were saying like some of the kids that were homeless or missed a meal and stuff I know some of the kids that were um in the classroom and there's there was some severe um kids like autism and stuff like that there was a one kid I remember specifically he would um he missed some meals sometimes in the mornings and I would give him like I gave I would like hey you guys can have I have these snacks or have these things and it would just help them a little bit and it'd be like wow like you're going hungry or you're missing this or you couldn't get this because your your parents or whoever forgot to you know because they had to rush to work or you're in a foster home I know one kid he would always even on the coldest days he was wearing the thinnest little sweater and I was, and then I asked one of the paraprofessionals, like, isn't he cold? Like, is he okay? Like, cause he doesn't seem like he's very prepared for the weather. Like he's coming here every day and, and I'm freezing and I'm wearing like a thick jacket. Like it's cold as hell. And they're like, that's his, 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 his foster home. I don't know. That's all they give him. And I'm like, that's all he has. And then there's some of the kids that were hungry. They were like, no matter how much they ate, like every day they ate like the breakfast, snack, lunch at school but they were always still hungry looking for more and i was just like what are they getting at home you know and it was just like right. heartbreaking it's like you don't they're not and getting that's what the basics yeah. and that's what like and that's what we are expected as professionals and as teachers is to like yeah. have x-ray vision or to be some type of superhero and read mm. that and it's like only people who are trained like you said or have like that niche or maybe the experience to know you know personal experience but who knows like we have a kid maybe throwing a tantrum for an hour in the morning and we're just like what is your problem blah blah, blah. but then he says well I haven't ate breakfast there it is click eat your breakfast he's cool for the rest of the day that's what it is it's like no he's not a bad kid he just didn't eat he's hungry I know Shoot. that I get hangry when I'm hungry when I lose sleep you know, I'm angry exactly <laughs> yeah. we like we can't treat children as of like we don't get in bad moods too for some reason you know um mm -hmm. and that's what we have to understand is like kids aren't like another species they literally just little us little adults um and so they act the same way we do um when we're mad or when we're hungry or hurt or sad and especially when we're working with kids in middle school you know we got those not only do we have to worry about you know all these other things but now we have a new stage you know what about our first heartbreak or you know like what if that kid wants to come out and say he's queer or you know like there's so many things that these kids have to worry about and, and it's like out. yeah wow more than more than i have to worry about sometimes like i have automated automated billing pay where I, they just take my money out you know yeah. kids don't have that they don't have like that help or those extra things like they got really on their own or the um, freedom and no one, yeah and no one gets them you know like mm -hmm. they don't you don't get me you don't understand me and we used to say that too and it's because they really didn't no one really got it no one really understood um because they forgot it's not because they didn't get it it's because they forgot how it felt um and so you know we were all kids at one time, and I'm sure we all went through a lot of the things, but it's, we forget, and our ego gets in our, in our way, um, and that's the thing, it's our ego. We really got to drop the ego um, and just help the people that are going to need our help, because, you know, time goes by fast, and these new kids are going to be growing up and in charge of us, and, you know who do we want to be in charge of us later on when we're older um i wanted to be the kids that i taught correctly you know and to be in society um and maybe there might be a difference you know in our future yeah when it comes to emotional health and understanding of people um not necessarily um our status or how cool we are 
Yeah, I think what you said earlier is really important about the ego. And you were saying how like we it's easy to minimize their worries because we're thinking about what we're worried about. And that is a product of our government, and our society and the way that they built it. For sure, we all know that. We always talk about that. I talk about that. We talk about it on social media. So we already know that part. But I think it is very important to remember, like you said, to remember that their worries are just valid too because we always want to be valid we're always trying to tell each other support each other and tell ourselves like what i'm worried about is okay how i'm allowed to feel how i feel so give that same courtesy to the kids because there may be kids but we were just like them and their worries are the same their feelings they're allowed to be like that and if we prohibit that they are going to be emotionally stunted or they're going to feel like they have to hold everything in and that is the exact opposite of what they should be taught and i think it's important to just show them like and like you said it is even harder for the special education or um kids with emotional disorders or you know such they're um it's the littlest things are the hardest i remember too yeah with one of the kids some half of them they were not good with staying on task for more than like 10 minutes on reading something and it was like the smallest book or just like doing like a page of work or something or like a couple questions little things like that you'd be like why can't you do it like i can do it it's easier other kids i've seen do it or but you forget like they also have something else that's an obstacle for them so you have to give them the most compassion like they need that and it and it is helpful for them to know like i'm not stupid i'm you know i'm not gonna just get yelled at for this you know i'm not gonna just get hurried like so there's someone out there that's gonna try to help me figure this out and give me the time to figure it out because it's all they really need because they're used to being yelled at and rushed just like we are as adults and that's the fucked up part is that that's all we're doing is being rushed to do shit all the time do so many things at once so how can we expect them to do it when it's hard for us to do it right and that's why i talk about like the educational system being cookie cutter like one size fit all and we have to do we can't jump you know we can't jump the stone to get across the lake we got to take little hops and slowly get ourselves across safely and that's why Mm -hmm. people just want to jump across and it's like dude take some time look around see what you got to see on the way don't just try to rush through things and we try to rush these kids um and you know unfortunately with the kids that in sped and the kids that are diagnosed with autism and emotional disturbance and not to gender but most of these children are males they Mm -hmm. are boys and we tend to um we tend to just throw our men and our boys and you know whoever identifies with those pronouns out there with no emotional intelligence and that's when we have these you know angry people and it's because society has shown that our you know our individuals who identify that you know as male are supposed to be masculine and and you know hard and tough and it's like no we're we're not we're not going to you know work on that anymore we're going to work on these children with an emotional part um let's break down things let's figure it out let's just not throw you out there into this angry world and just be angry um and that's an unfortunate thing that most of these kids are diagnosed as you know with you know as being male or uh, as um he they pronouns most girls are misdiagnosed or underdiagnosed but still live in the world with this disorder um and are just you know and so why that happens um i'm not sure you know most of our interventions are practiced on 75 percent caucasian um, populations we don't have a lot of um, evidence-based like research or practice for you know people of color Mm -hmm. um because they don't want to provide the money um for us and you know unfortunately um i think over time that will change and you know a lot of our strategies in our mental health and you know behavioral health areas will change because we're not you know brown and black people are not going to respond the same as you know the white folk out there um because there is no comparison when it comes to oppression so you know you know the the therapeutic part of it um you know it's hard because everyone wants it to go by the book but it's not going to be by the book it's going to be by experience um and only those who've experienced what those have experienced can really really do the work um it's hard to go to someone and talk about your your issues or your problems when they have no idea 
you know, and so that's something we need to do and, you know, get people out there. You know, we have so many um, people who are interested in social justice now, you know, after all this that's happened. So, I, you know, I really promote or, you know, advocate for those to go be social workers or to go work in this field and help um, now that you've seen kind of like what we have to go through as educators or, you know, therapists therapist um you know the paraprofessionals you know get out there um that's what we need we need more people that understand the oppression to be in this field definitely i i think that point again that you said earlier before i forget i think that's so important and really hope and I just hope that there's more that that happens more in the future in the near future that they give the teachers a break because there's there's um like you were saying like there's no break for them and I noticed that or for us it was always just they were expected to do everything at once they have to just keep going and like you said that is especially um more prone to happen in the special ed department and also you know in the emotional disorder children yeah they were i've heard stories like downstairs and one of the other same teachers in edc or special ed that the kid threw something or started fighting the teacher started biting or whatever so pulling each other's hair and then it's like the teacher has to be what the security guard has to be the therapist has to be the teacher has to be the babysitter has to be everything like just everything at once and it's like then the only intervention that they actually get at least in the schools that i'm working in like i said they are mainly low income um families and black and brown families it's security guards that come in and I don't want to bash security guards at all because I understand that they should also be given their, you know, therapy or interventions as well or given slightly different training. But what they're there for is just to stop and they're like a force, but they're seen as like, okay, this is the person that's going to come and just stop this. They're the, the, the threat or they're the, you know, the tough, right. the tough guy. It the last, it should be the last step, you yeah. know, because there again, are we having the averse, it, it becomes aversive to authority. Uh, when we when we just you know it's the same thing right now going on in the world you know little things you know such as George George Floyd getting mm-hmm. such a huge consequence and, you know we jump the gun we jump the stones across the lake um, and that's where it is there should be a tier of you yes. know step one step two security should be step five last resort the child is going to hurt themselves. You know, that's the only time I like to do that is when they're a threat to themselves or a threat to someone else. Um, but, you know, when it comes to like giving these teachers breaks, you know, one thing that I've learned um, is to be more vocal and to be more um, out there and advocate for those teachers. Because if these administration or these districts will, can get away with it, they'll get away with it. And yeah. as soon as you open your mouth and say, hey, this is not right, then they'll they're gonna they're gonna respond to that because ethically it isn't right um and you know i guess just like i guess just like supporting our 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 staff and our teachers and being able to like see that when it happens um i think once it's practiced and shown um you know we model these type of behaviors you know if we model this and other people will want to do it too you know, if you have that, you see that teacher having a moment and you have 10 minutes left on your lunch break, 20 minutes left, or you have some free time, go up to the teacher and, hey, do you need a Starbucks? I'm about to go get a coffee. Hey, do you need a bathroom break? I can take over and watch, you know, um, it's, a, it's the compassion. And, you know, not a lot of people do that is because they want to stay out of their business and they just want to mind their own. But that time is a is a good time to like, kind of step out of your comfort zone and do something nice for someone else um you don't always have to like give a dollar to the homeless and feel like you're the amazing person you can help a staff member take a break and that could be your good deed for the day like honestly i'm sure they're gonna like they would love it to go breathe go to the like teacher's lounge get a snack and know that their classroom is safe um especially after a moment like that you know where they need to de-escalate because that's not a that's totally not fair to have our teachers who are in charge of our children um, feel like that, you know. And that and that's just that's where these teachers start getting mean. That's where these children start to retaliate. Um, mm-hmm. And you know that's when we have you know accidents and things that we don't want happening in our school districts, especially around our other children, where it's where kids get hurt. Um, 
you know, and that's just not an environment that we want. You know, of course, who wants to send their kid and not think that they're going to come back? I don't. Yeah. So, you know, we have to really, and that's where it comes with the emotional part, you know, the increase in school shootings in the past 20 years, you know, the increase in, you know, children um, and the aggressiveness, the, you know, suicide rate, it's all emotional. It's emotional. You know, it's, they're not in control of the emotional aspect of it. And Mm -hmm. that's where we need to work on. Um, We can give these kids pills all day. They can pop Ritalin and Adderall until they're 17 and then start doing all these crazy other drugs. But why? Why? We can just really work on the emotional part of it before we even get to the mental part of it. Um, Because the mental is the residual effect of the emotional trauma that these kids probably have to, you know, go through. Whatever it may be, you know, whatever it may be. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, that's what we kind of have to think about. Let's just dig deep into, like, why we do the things we do. Because there are there are reasons we don't just do them for the, you know, for the fun of it. There exactly. are reasons, and we have to dig deep on why they are being done, and that's the that's the goal, really. It's the goal for our kids. That's the goal for ourselves, um, because you know, we really can't help anybody else until we help ourselves, and you know, it it makes the world go round. To be honest, yeah, I think one of the last things and the best things that I learned um just watching the teacher the good teachers that I've worked alongside with and just in general and you know getting more emotionally mature and just working you know more on my mental health and things like that I learned one of the best things that you can ask and the most basic is how are you feeling today to the kids I when I asked them that or when I asked them you know if they needed help just going to them and just offering whatever it was the littlest thing it does really really make a difference like it people I think we are it's easy to forget because it is small but it's super important because it shows them like hey I'm concerned for you not feeling bad for you or I'm not going to just show you pity or something or I'm not trying to be angry or just yell at you I'm asking how are you doing right now what do you need help right. with? What do you need? Or yeah, exactly. What do you need? Um, and most times these kids will tell you and it's exactly what they need. So, you know, it's not, don't they're be afraid. They're honest. Yeah. They're so honest. Don't be afraid to ask the 12 year old, like, yeah. what's your problem? What do you need? Why are you being like this? And they'll most likely be like, I need a break. I need to go walk to a tree go ahead go walk through the tree i'd rather you go take a two minute break than you throw a tantrum for the next 55 minutes like pick and choose your battles here people and that's what i'll like end it with is like pick and choose your battles you really Mm -hmm. don't have to be right every single time let the kid be right the kid might be right he really might be right or they might she he they might be right like and it's okay to take that l as an adult like it's okay don't worry about it um yeah you're still cool like you're still an adult yeah and it's okay to like get shown up by a 13 or a nine-year-old like it happens don't be so salty yeah Um, because you can really (laughs) learn a lot about you know life and you know just like the innocence of what we forgot life is about from these kids it's a good it's a good um breath of fresh air to not be so serious about something all the time yeah yeah my teacher showed me that he was um the one of my favorites that I worked with again it was another thing he showed me he was like just like he's like a one size doesn't fit all you know you're gonna it's gonna happen you're gonna fail technically with a lot of this that's techniques a day a lesson whatever but it's fine you do it again you learn you just grow from it that's all because you're not gonna always get it perfect like it just happens and you're not gonna win them all quote unquote there's gonna be days a lot of them are just not like eff it they don't want to do it today they're not feeling it they're having a bad day a bad week but it's okay you try you tried your best and that's all that you can really do with them you know is really just try because that's all that they really need is to know someone's in their corner so i'm really happy that people like you are doing that and most of these kids are testing our are testing our loyalty Mm -hmm. you know they want to see what you do when you when they push your buttons and most of us or some of us just dip out and leave and that's exactly what they're looking for they're They're looking for that person or that mentor who's gonna stay 
um, even when they're at their worst. And I think even us as adults, we do that. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's the loyalty. Like, how loyal are you to me, even with my issues and my baggage and whatever you want to call it? Um, will you still treat me the same? And, yeah. you know, that's what we're looking for. Um, the acceptance, the loyalty. So, yeah, just think about it. Kids are smart. The only time, um, you know, these kids, they grow up as they grow up. They, you know, obviously figure out their own values and morals. But the younger they are, you know, that's the best time to teach them the right way. Because um, as, as they get older, it's harder to change some of those things or to have a perspective um, seen a different way because they've created their own. And so, um, yeah, with let's just provide, you know, these positive outlooks, provide provide information that's necessary. Um, let's stay like, let's not be biased about it. Um, you know, that's, I mean, that's what we want to do. We want to provide authentic information that's going to make them successful in society. Um, and if that's teaching them how to be a freaking nice human being, that's successful enough to me. I don't give a shit if you can't count to 10. Exactly. If you can be a nice person, <laughs> yeah. I don't care. We can teach you how to count to 10 later. I can't teach you how to be a nice person later. Um, it's yeah. too hard. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> easy to mold easier to mold them as we were when we were younger because like you said exactly. sponges so just teach them how to you know respect others and set boundaries for themselves and all kinds of stuff they just really need that like sierra said is the emotional work is the most important the most beginning and then we can work on the rest right after but you is just they really need that and they need us and we need to try to fix the education system as best as we can because it's not just up to us at the quote-unquote lower level it is up to the higher ups as well but we can do a change little by little as frustrating as it is it is a rewarding experience i found even me just being a sub assistant you know just learning the things i'm learning so far and hopefully furthering you know in the education system i hope one day to be a sped teacher um, so I, I know it's going to be a long road, but I'm, I'm really thankful that people like you, Sierra, are in the education system and really care about the kids and all of the kids, not just one set, not just one category, but every single one of them and are accepting them because they need that shit just like we did. And we do. It's, it's a never, they're always going to, and they deserve it. They really do. Um, so thank you again, Sierra, for coming on and, you know, talking with us about this. I really appreciate it and your insight because I know you have so much experience with this in the years that you've been doing it. And it's 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 a lot of work. So commend you and admire you for what you do every day for these kids and for yourself. And hopefully you guys learn something, whether you're in education or not. I mean, just try. There's ways to still try to help. You know, it's just there's different things we can still do. You don't have to be a teacher or be a therapist in the field or anything. There's still ways. And if you are or you have just kids of your own or siblings, just try to remember that they need help. They need resources, too. And it's harder for minority communities. Just take a minute to ask your kid or your sibling or, you know, whatever, how they're doing. You know, what do they need help with? And not just schoolwork, but emotionally and mentally. What do you need support in? Because they're little us, like Sierra said. So thank you again, Sierra, for being here today. And thank you guys for listening. I hope and I'm sure you got something out of it. And we'll see you next time.